and welcome to a the second episode of The Voice. I'm your host, Mark, and with me is Professor Cyril, who will make an appearance when the time is right. Uh, this week has been an extremely interesting week for all Australians and also for the world, really, because we've seen so many things, especially FIFA. FIFA has been on everyone's mind, like Nurofen. It is a very nice sedative to keep the uh, general public from thinking of serious matters. But um, obviously we've seen some interesting things happen in Australian politics this week with the um, stepping down of Mr Rudd and the stepping up of Mrs Gillard or Mrs Gillard. I think it's Ms Gillard. Uh, yes, complete change. And the first female Prime Minister for Australia, Margaret Thatcher, is cheering her on, I can bet. Um, it'll just be interesting to see in October if Julia can maintain her power or whether it'll go to Abbott and here at The Voice we're praying that Julia maintains the position of Prime Minister for obvious reasons, but anyway. But uh, the other thing we saw this week, which kind of was a bit strange, was the fact that the oil leak in the Gulf of Mexico isn't actually an oil leak. There was a video on YouTube that basically said that it was basically an asphalt volcano and that what we're seeing in the live footage on YouTube, there's a lot of inconsistencies. They're saying if you actually look at the footage, you'll see one minute there's a different coloured um, pump that's spewing out oil. There's other times where they say it's a completely different number on the side of it. You know, they're saying that there's a lot of inconsistencies saying that it's not real footage or that it's footage of another leak somewhere else in time and history. Um, they're also saying that it is not environmentally deadly in any way, shape or form, saying that it's something that naturally occurs over a period of time and actually benefits the marine life in the Gulf. And they're saying that um, they're just using it as a false flag fear campaign to bring on the carbon tax and all these different things. You can see the video. It'll be in the show notes for The, uh, the Voice, which obviously will be available from the Secret Hub website. Um, but, yeah, it was interesting. And we actually had a bit of an observation this week, um, taking into consideration that, it, you know, it's possibly a false flag attack um, based on the fact that it's, you know, possibly oil or whether it's an asphalt volcano, whatever it may be. But if it is oil and there really is oil filling up the, the gulf, um, we made this observation, which we'll go to now and we'll come back after that. One of the points that has come to my attention as of today, which is actually a couple of days before we're doing the actual episode, is when you look at planet Earth and you look at the map, if you go to Google Maps, you can bring this up and have a pretty good view of what I'm looking at. But when you look at the United States as a country, the United States pretty much has proved itself to be a military force within the illusion that we live in. But also, it's one of the biggest puppet nations on the planet, based on the fact that you've got your controlling factors of the elite um, basically maintaining everything. Because let's face it, the, the United States is responsible for the world's media. Um, most of Hollywood movies and TV shows are translated in multiple languages, so ultimately the subliminal messaging and just the programming that they're putting into those movies and TV shows is going out to the world. So it's really like the hub of the elite's world, which they call Earth their own. Um, but the interesting thing is when you look at it, United States, within the illusion that we're living in, pretty much has bases in certain countries. But when you look at the planet, you've got Canada 
in the north and Canada are doing their own thing and realistically the United States, let me replace that, it's not the United States, the elite. The elite don't want to use Canada because Canada is close to the northern ice pole and also close to Greenland and, and that whole area. So they know that doing what they did in the Gulf of Mexico isn't that safe when you get that close to the poles. Now, when you look at Europe and Northern Africa, Libya, Egypt, those places, there's no way in the world the EU or the African Union would have allowed any kind of American drilling or British drilling for that matter in the Mediterranean. Obviously, the tourism industry that surrounds the Mediterranean also the fact that the Mediterranean is almost like a no-fly zone as far as oil drilling. Then you've got another little um, few lakes and whatever it is, but you're not going to use it. When you look at the vast expanse of the planet, the only real area that isn't, oh, well, there's another little pocket, which is in Russia, but you don't want to mess with the Chinese or the Russians. So the only pocket of, inform- of, of, of territory that is controlled by the United States or controlled by the Zionists that would be a safe place to create an oil spill is in a little alcove. And if you look at the Gulf of Mexico, that's exactly what it is. It's a very controlled environment. Like realistically, between the breakup of the Florida panhandle, and I'm just zooming in now, Havana, Miami, Cancun, like just those little gaps between those countries or between those areas on the map, you could easily build a fence to block anything escaping out of the... Gulf of Mexico, so you could easily contain it, hence the fact that it could be a false flag attack because it is easily containable. You can build an entire circus just from the oil that's leaked into the Gulf of Mexico and build an entire fear campaign to make people distracted so that they can focus on other things like invading Iran, for example, or whatever else they might have on their agenda. But the point is is that it's a very good staging area for a false flag attack of an ecological size because... By containing it in the Gulf of Mexico, there's enough water or or water area, space of water, that you can actually film and get very effective footage to make people go, oh, the world's ending, the world's ending. But the point is, at any point, you could automatically have military vessels go from Miami through to Havana, through to Cancun, and actually block off the entire Gulf of Mexico stream so it doesn't actually get out. Number one, so to me, that would be like if I was a mad elitist, and I needed to put something like this together, I would probably use the Gulf of Mexico because, number one, it is the most... um, What's the word? It's the most... um, It's an area that is allowed to be utilised by America. So it's the most accessible, is the word I was looking for. Yes? Professor Cyril is with me. And since the Mexicans are, in in effect, de facto... Exactly, with the Northern, uh, well, the American Union that we yes, are now the, seeing coming yeah, through. It, it'll, it, would, it, it will definitely help the uh, Mexican government put Mexico into a state of alert as well. Well, when you look at the actual Gulf of Mexico, it's called the Gulf of Mexico, obviously, because most of Mexico is yeah. eastern. Cuba's history. Yeah. But like I said, if, they, if, 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 if it is basically a false flag attack and they want to contain it, then I think that... A lot of the footage that we're seeing now, I don't know whether there's any confirmed footage of the oil spill getting out past the panhandle and moving out into the North but, Atlantic. But, I, haven't, I haven't seen it. I've yeah, seen but if you take... If, 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 uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on the side of the elitists now in this debate. In yes. this debate. Well, that's where we are. Yes. Yeah. Um, f- 
for us taking out Cuba is a fantastic achievement. We can starve them to death basically there. Well, that's true too, because as as we know, the elitists have been firmly against Fidel Castro and all and, and, and all and those the communistic little, side of things. Yeah, yeah, and all that nonsense. I'm saying is that, and all those little um, Latin American countries that Guatemala uh, and Nicaragua. Yes. So, what your point of controlling it at that point? I mean, they can control it that, from that point by building barges. Very true. You're well, saying, when you look yeah? at when you look at the archipelago of islands that are actually surrounding. But, when, but like just that chain it. of islands, you could you could block it. But I, I seriously think that there will be a containment unit at that point. Yes, but that's that's the, the yes, but that, but they will allow the what the water to I mean the oil to leak through Cancun and Havana through that little gap there. Um, we're looking at the map. It would help if you had a map. But when you, you. But when you when you when you look at it, I mean, really, if you look at the coastline of America, yes, yes, in 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 in. in in full view, as we're facing the map now, it's a it's a very it's a tiny little area for them, in the grand scale, yes. to destroy to be able to take this, to destroy all the countries here, yes, and their livelihood. They would have they would have them, in effect, hostage. True. Yes, they and they and, and, and and but wait, there's more. And it would allow them, yes, to put in their armies. Very true. Very true. Well, or, or, Do you understand? Because, because or they as they refer to them, FEMA. They, yeah, but they have they, 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 these countries haven't got the capacity or the technology to be able to do anything. Exactly. So they'll have to, they'll have to capitulate immediately. Exactly. They'll have no other choice but to capitulate. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Which is which is it's kind a, of which, when you think about it. If, it's, mean, cl- it's a clever thing, and, and you it's could, possibly, <laughs> but it's nice. It's but you, clever, but it's clever, you must yeah. you must look at it this way as well. The, the elites as we can see by this wonderful plan that's been put out in front of us, is the fact that the elites are so powerful that they can have a British oil company drilling off the coast of America and Mexico and Cuba and be so dastardly that they could actually... Well, I'll, I'll, let me replace it dastardly with clever. They could be so clever that they can actually create a completely containable catastrophic event and when, if I'm on made, camera that looks catastrophic exactly. but realistically can be... Contained. I do believe that this thing can be contained. And but it's it, been done in this but region. In order, but, but I agree with you. But in order for them to contain it off their shores, yes, they'll destroy all the others. Well, this is this is obviously the plan. Because that's, yeah, well, that's, that's what you would do. Well, if you I mean, were if you, you were an elitist, if if, if it's if, not a question you, of elitist, it's a question of this is a, this is a reality now. Right. In, okay. You know what I mean? In, in, in the political world that we live in, in the Mardi Gras that we like to call Earth, the um, yeah, the, 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 it would in a game of chess. I mean, when you look at it strategically, that yes. is a very good strategy. It is. Yes. And Venezuela, Venezuela, who have bought all, have, who have sided with the Russians, in basically it's a, a Russian satellite state. Yes. And the Russians are, uh, um, you know, they're the Mongolian. What is it? The what is it, the Mongol Empire with the Chinese. Yes. It's good for them as well because they can, um, in effect, scare the. Bejesus, is it the word you use? That's the word, bejesus. Yes. Yes. Scare the bejesus. Out of the Venezuelans. Yes. The Colombians are fine. The Colombians are They're fine, it's fine. This is provided that the containment... And, and I would not be surprised. Like, if, if there's any camera crews out there in the area, I would love to know if there are any military ships or any kind of vessels in between Miami and Havana 
the gap of water that spills there out is, into the, the Atlantic. Because I guarantee you that they probably already have things in place. In fact, if you look at Louisiana and certain places where people have been trying to get footage yeah. and information, they've been, you know, it's, it's a very tightly secured area. I guarantee you, south of Miami, which I think is the Everglades, which is no man's land. I think personally... I think that you'd probably find if you did a fly over there, you would see I a lot of activity. I agree with you, but I, I look at this other thing. Is I, I, think, I think that what I would do yes. is I'd paint... Which they put, they are. Yes. One, yes. F- one flaw, though, that we, I've just noticed is that in order for them to build a bridge across those two areas to stop it, the, the, the a catchment net, if they can actually drag a huge net... Like what, they're using Katrina, they call the, the, the levees. Yes, if they can build a levee, yes. or at least a wall that will protect, a protective call, wall to stop the, it from spilling on the inlet. they call them levees? Well, levees are things that they build to stop the flooding, so the water's coming in, so they put sandbags right, up. Some apparatus to yes, contain to, to, it. To contain it, exactly. If yes. they stretch that across, they would need assistance or they'd need the cooperation of Cuba. Cuba. I think is how you pronounce it. Cuba. And Cuba would have, would have no choice. But in doing so, that would make an alliance between America and Cuba necessary in order for them to completely bridge the gap. Well, Cuba's got one choice in the matter, or they've got two options in the matter, sorry. They can either starve to death or become an American state. Either that or America could even be smart enough. Let me just zoom in. We're going in for a deeper look. The Bahamas. If we go from Homestead or Key Largo, say Homestead, the shorelines of Homestead to the shorelines of San Andros Bahama Village, you would be able to block it from getting into the North Atlantic and allow the flow to travel all across Cuba. Yes, you could. Which would redirect it. So therefore, in the Bahamas, is that a US colony? Well, in effect... Are they they in the US's pocket? Well, I'm guessing that they they, they wouldn't take much to convince them. But all they need to do is build a catchment across from the Bahamas... Run a few boats. It could be. It could be achievable. It could be achievable. Um, but ultimately, it's a game of stopping it from and flowing look, out. And look where Havana is. Yes, Havana right is in, in the, the mix of it. Yeah, exactly. That, the if they if they block that off and let the oil flow downwards but south, it, it would go over Havana, Santa Maria. But apart from that, I'm just saying is Havana is the is the is the, the capital. But it's also the lifeblood. Don't forget, it's just an island. Yeah. Yeah. So that, most of most of the other ones is Santiago de Cuba. Which one is the capital? Havana. Havana is the capital. But what I'm saying is any modernisation in this country, insofar as how we now understand it, yes. is all centralised in Havana. So they can actually destroy the heart of That's Cuba true. immediately. Yes, exactly the capital. Because the rest, the rest and is this agriculture. Is, and, and unlike the Australian capital, which is Canberra, which has absolutely no reference to existence, Havana is right on the coastline and I guarantee would have an incredible population. I guarantee, like you said, it's a hub. It's more like Sydney. Yes. Which everyone said Sydney should have been the capital, but Canberra got it because of its wonderful... No, but the politicians in Australia understand that. Why why would you want to... Why would you want to be in... Targeted. Yes, indeed targeted, but in... Taking that all aside, this, the Australian government decided to build their capital in the bush. Yes, just in case of tidal <laughs> waves. But nicely located next to a big river. Yes, and a snowfield. Plenty field. of water. And a snowfield. Snowfield, yes. yes. Yes, and there's a population of approximately 300,000 people. Yeah. All civil servants. 
decriminalized marijuana. Decriminalized marijuana. is legal. All the, all the, all the, all the, all the, all, if, you, if you look at... They did everything they could to bring people into Canberra, but no one wants to live in Canberra. I went to Canberra once. I spent three weeks one day in Canberra. If you, if, if you look at, if you look at this, I'm not, I know we're going off the subject, but anyway, I'm saying if you look at all the um, pornography, is that right? Adult. adult yes, the adult, explicit material. Explicit material, the adults. Havana the, took us here. Yes, Havana took us here. Havana's taken us here. Yes. <coughs> God bless. We're off oil. We're off oil for the moment. We're now on explicit material. So if if you if you just care to look next time you buy something entertaining, yes, at the company, you'll find that all the companies that provided adult entertainment, yes, because it was illegal anywhere, everywhere else in the country, they were all incorporated where in the ACT. Beautiful, love it. So if you want to make (laughs) if you want to make explicit material, head to Canberra and do it because it's legal. Exactly. God bless it. But back to the oil. (laughs) The point that this little addition for the show is obviously we're going to get back to the studio. But the um, the main thing is is that I think that everyone's been throwing around the idea of a false flag attack, and I'm thinking if it was a false flag attack, I'm going back to the main shot of America. What better place than to tuck it in the Gulf of Mexico? It wasn't off any of the major coastlines of America. It could have been off the coast of California, but Arnie wouldn't have been impressed. So they've thrown it in the Gulf but of Mexico. A, but, but, you made relevant, but you made a, re- a relevant point. I mean, the Russians, the Russians, of course, and the Chinese have, which are one, one, one in the same, yes? The Asian, Asian alliances, they call themselves, or to that effect. Asian Union. Asian Union, yeah have now, with the Brazilians and a lot of the Latin American countries and the Russians and the Chinese, have contracts in Latin America and all these countries to yes. supply them resources, yes? They offered better deals. And they better, offered better deals. Better tenders. And, and the Latin Americans, yes. yeah, underhandingly, yes. are buying weapons. They're buying their, their ships, their aircraft, their, their guns and bullets and so forth, yep. their military hardware. All the ingredients of a war. Yes, they're buying all that from the Russians. Lovely. Which is the same thing. Which makes the nervous people. Yes, they are nervous. Yes, yes. nervous. Washington is like, yes. it's very close-ish. So yes, that was uh, one of the things that I noticed when I looked at the map of the Earth, which was you know, kind of glaringly obvious, but um, it's still yet to be seen. And as we said in last week's episode, the facts are still blurry. So everything's really speculation, but that was an observation because I was looking at the map and I thought, yes, it's a very neat way, place to do a false flag attack if that's indeed what it is. But the news this week, um, there's been a lot of things going on and one of the big things that came to our attention is that Israel has asked the UN to shelve aid ship raid inquiry. Israel has asked the UN to suspend attempts to organise an international inquiry into the deadly raid on a ship trying to break the blockade of Gaza. Israeli Defence Minister Ehud Barak, I wonder if he's in relation to Obama, said any inquiry should be shelved because new attempts to breach the blockade were still being organised. Nine pro-Palestinian activists died when Israeli soldiers stormed a Turkish aid ship in May. The UN has called for an impartial and credible inquiry into the raid. Israel has announced its own inquiry, which is just priceless, but some European governments have expressed scepticism about its credibility, or really. Mr. Barak spoke after talks with UN Secretary General Ben Kai Moon, who has been trying to organise the international inquiry called for by the Security Council. So I won't go into detail because the whole story is there on the show notes, but the thing is is that it just amazes me that there's two 
well, it's a two-way street with most, you know, countries, but it just seems that, you know, Israel has the ability to do whatever they want to do, and if they break any kind of laws in the process, it's just, well, you know, it's kind of like someone murdering someone, being shown on camera doing that, and then basically saying, oh, can we just not have, you know, the investigation? Can we not do the court case? Can I just walk away free and, not, you know, not have any kind of ridicule or any kind of, um, you know... If I may. If I may, yeah. If, but, yeah but, and then having the court in, in the perfect world, which obviously you need to be in Israel to experience, you would turn around and say, well, yeah, no worries, off you go. It's all good. We don't really, you know, we, don't, we, don't, we, we know you did it. But before you go on, if I may... Yes. Is that... My position on the Gaza is that really I'm bored, like intellectually bored, talking about it. Because it's on... It's but, 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 in, in, but in saying that... Yes. Yeah, in saying that, the Israelis should just do us a favour. Which is? Is just end it. Yes. I mean, 50 years or, or, or thereabouts, we have this dilemma... Yes. You know what I mean? I mean, even the Congo, Congolese revolution or civil war. Yes. As yeah, they, which like claimed five, um, five million victims. Yes. Or thereabouts. That didn't get a mention. That lasted 25 years. But the Israelis, I mean, what are they going for? Are they going for the, a world record of creating disaster on this planet? For God's sake, Israel, give us a break. And at the same time, Gaza gets a break. Yes. Yes? End it, for God's sake. Yes. I mean, what do you want? Exactly. I mean, you know yes. what I mean? We can't take this anymore. Yes. Let's leave them alone. We'll fix the problem. Well, 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 some of the points, like one of the things I thought... Sorry about that. We, we need you know to... You, well, that's, what, that's, that's why we call it the voice, because we like to voice our concerns. But the thing, the thing that really kind of like amazed me, like we actually, I've spoken to a few people um, in regards to this, and we have a few questions that have been asked regarding this entire Gaza situation. Um, and as you can tell, we are drained because we've been speaking about it all week to different people as, as it's occurred. And some very valid questions have come up. Um, and we'll be going through the questions very shortly. But one of the things that I can't understand is the fact that there are weapons in Palestine. Now, you know, why can't they just turn around and say, well, you know, don't let any weapons into Palestine, just totally, like they've done here in Australia, just remove all the guns, remove all the rocket launchers, remove any form of weaponry in Palestine. But obviously... There's too much money to be made from weapons. Like, I would be surprised if, these, if, if it's Israeli companies selling the arms to the Palestinians because they need to make a profit. Well, that's exactly right. You know what I mean? Throughout history, if they don't make a profit, yes. they're ill. This is very you, true. You need to take that into consideration. Very true. And the point is, is that once you strip Palestine of all the weaponry and have, you know, ra rather than taking out a flotilla of aid, why aren't they focusing their attention on stopping and blocking weapons from getting into Palestine? That way there will be no excuse for Israel to attack Palestine because if they're, if they're a toothless tiger, then they're in, they are no threat, so therefore there will be no, you know, no need for it. But it just seems to me that the, the weapons manufacturers around the world seem that, well, they don't care if you've ever seen the movie Lord of War. You know, it, he kills his own brother in the movie, 
which just goes to show you that you know you will you, we will do anything for money, including create weapons of mass destruction or, or minor destruction, and sell them to the the highest bidder, or in this case, to fuel a war that really just doesn't make sense. To the point where I can remember clearly in my head going back. Um, a few years ago when there was another, well, obviously it's been going for 50 years, but there was one that was mentioned in the Fox News on cable where I think it was Geraldo Guevara or whatever his name is. He was actually in Israel and there was a rocket attack. And it was like, it was, it was when it was thick and heavy when, the, you know, there was fresh attacks, fresh rocket attacks from Gaza on Israel. And, and I'm not lying, I'm, I'm telling the complete honest truth. I was watching this thing and I'm thinking to myself, you know, oh, well, let's have a look at this because, like, it's, it's a rocket attack. Let's see what's happening. And the reporter, who I think was Geraldo, he was, was. He was on, on the street and he said that, you know, a rocket attack has come through from Gaza and, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's absolutely terrible and it's horrible and whatever it is. And there was a pothole on the road the one near near our office about the same yeah, size same size as what you would find on a normal street there was a pothole with possibly a lit cigarette tucked in the middle of it to let a little bit of smoke come out of it there was a smashed window which may have didn't even look like it was an explosion one window was, it was smashed. a joke well they're basically saying you know this is this but is it was horrific. a joke it was a joke it was horrific and they cut to a camera that was in Palestine and Palestine looked like Armageddon. There was like, it was just absolute horrific chaos. There was uh, refineries on fire. It was just, honestly, it was just absolute all out disaster scene from a movie and in comparison to the pothole with the little bit of smoke. And by the time they come back from showing what was happening in Palestine, which was like I said, Armageddon, it got to the point where a group of teenagers in a convertible car came up wearing their Ray-Ban sunglasses, came up to the camera and were trying to be on TV. And the whole scene, as, as described by Fox, was this horrific rocket attack. And yet you had these teenagers in a convertible coming through wanting to be on telly. And the contrast between what was happening in Israel with their, you know, horrific um, rocket attack compared to what was happening in Palestine was just chalk and cheese. And it just really... I, I thought I was watching a comedy. They, they, like, as much as we... like, They people, messed it up. Well, exactly. Well, I, I don't think they did. I think that the, the American public or the general TV watching public are so um, brainwashed that they would just go, oh, yeah, they, they, it just... They've it got just, no idea. Well, it, it just seems to me that there are some scary things, and this is not a laughing matter because, realistically, there are innocent people dying all around the world, but there's a, there's a lot of people dying in Palestine. They're starving to death. They're being, you know, shot at, attacked, whatever. There's a lot of horrible things. And the one thing that that did catch my eye this week, which I posted on my, my Facebook page, as you do, is the fact that I, I it, it's always kind of like interested me as to the term that you have Israeli, then you have Jewish, and then you have anti-Semitic. And I was like, well, I'm a bit confused, okay? I can understand if you're Jewish, you're from Israel, fair enough, then that makes you an Israeli, and if you're a Jew, then you're Jewish. But why isn't it anti-Jew? They're always using this anti-Semitic catchphrase. And I'm like thinking, all right, sweet. So you can be um, Israeli, you can be Jewish, or you can be a Semite. So I thought, what is a Semite? And for the first time in my life, I actually jumped on to um, Google, and I did a quick search on what Semite was. And it turns out that the, Semit the Semitic languages, 
The term Semite in history comes from the Semitic languages, which are the Middle Eastern languages. So Arabic, Hebrew, Phoenician, there's a whole list of, of languages. So forth, yeah, yeah of, of, of languages that were, were classified as Semitic lang- languages. But and point, people. And, and people, exactly. And the point is, is that Arabic was one of the Semitic languages. So therefore, wouldn't that make the Israeli government an anti-Semitic? anti-Semitist or anti-Semitic. Technically, they are. They are. And they use that whenever people turn around and say, oh, well, what you're doing is wrong. It was was the the Israelis, um, or the Jews at that time, before they became Israel. Um, That was the um, catchphrase they used because of the Holocaust. Well, I believe... Against, against obviously, the Germans. Well, there, there, there was a German author who wrote a book... I think in the 1800s where he the, the first use of anti-Semite or anti-Semitic was used, and that's basically where it's come well, from. Yeah, that's, that's but the point is, historically speaking, anti-Semitic means that you're anti-Hebrew, anti-Middle Eastern, I guess is the term. Yeah. So that, that, that confused me a touch. But some of the questions that were raised, and these are the questions, and these came from people I've kind of like... I'm not using names because obviously, well, I am using names. Let's call them call signs, if you would, like Top Gun. First question came from Tanner. And his question was, what is the value? Where where does Tanner live? Well, all of these people are based in Queensland, in Australia. So So, concerned Australian citizens. Yes, concerned Australian citizens. Tanner basically said, what is the value of international law if it can be broken or even worse, completely ignored? Very valid question because... As you know, the flotilla that was attacked was in international waters. So, therefore, if you do anything in international waters... Immediately, it's a breach of law. Exactly. All right. So, the, the, and, and, and the question is, is that, you know, what, if, if any other country was to break international law... Like the, the alleged pirates of Somalia... Correct. Who are who yes. accused and abused and so forth. And targeted. And targeted. Yes. Um, they they muster up uh, uh, yes. warships to protect the cargo ships exactly. going through that, but this is not exactly. Somalia. So w- within the Mardi Gras, you've got your, your good cops and your bad cops, and you've got all these things. So if you're a Somalian pirate and you break international law, then you are dealt with severely. Whereas if you're Israeli and you're stopping a flotilla of aid to come through to Gaza, yeah. then you are above the law. You're green-lighted. It's kind of like you don't have to... They're in the club. They're in the club. They happen, they're they with the good guys. Yeah, exactly. They're with the good guys against the baddies. Yes, and even, even yeah. when you see things like when North Korea does long-range missile testing yes. and the whole world goes, oh, you can't do that, and yet you've got missiles and tanks and whatever it is firing into neighbouring countries yes. in the other part of the world and no one seems to... Well, actually, that's a lie. People like Rachel Corrie, you know, and her group, and there's plenty of people out there. George Galloway is another person who'll be mentioning shortly. Yes, he made some relevant remarks. Very relevant, very brilliant, very, very brilliant, brilliant, brilliant yes, ideas. Brilliant. Yes, brilliant yes. ideas. But the point is, is that there are people out there who are concerned, who aren't watching FIFA, who aren't watching Big Brother. They are following the real Big Brother, and they are seeing things for what they really are. And this is a travesty. So with regards to Tanner's question about international law, yes, I agree, international law is being broken. And as we've just seen... I, in the but it's news, not being upheld. 
Well, exactly. It's not being, exactly the, the toothless tiger known as the UN. Um, you know, the, for, for, to, to have the audacity to say, "Don't worry about investigating it. Just put it on the shelf." Like that to and me. And the international court. Yeah, but I'm they, saying, I'm saying the international court, who, who, um, let, let's take Africa into, into consideration for, for for a moment because um, we have a large base yes. of of Africans. Um, if someone, one of their leaders, is accused of something or is set up yes. by the yes. Western powers, if, if an African if, patsy, if an African patsy happens to not be valuable anymore and they don't want him there anymore, yes, then the international court sends out summonses to arrest them, exactly like like they did with uh, Milosevic and so forth, yeah, and, and but Mugabe also, Mugabe and, yes. and, and so forth and so forth, but. Since 1967, I believe, or thereabouts. Yes, in the there's, been, there's been summonses yes. issued to the Israelis yes. for breaches of this and breaches of that, or all this international law for the last 50 years. Well, thereabouts, or thereabouts. Say 50. But the International Court and the UN, um, they just can't do it. Yeah. Yes, they're finding it difficult. Well, it, well they're, they're, they're prepared. They're, they're prepared to enforce the law. Yes. Elsewhere. Yes. Aggressively. Aggressively. Aggressive with threats. Yes. Yes. Backed up with violence. Backed up with violence, or embargoes. What are they called? Embargoes. Embargoes yes. and, and, and starved populations. Exactly. As we saw in Iraq, we're seeing in uh, Iran. Uh, yes. And, and many, many other countries. Yes. Yeah. But it's not applicable to them. In Palestine as well. In yeah. Palestine. But it's confusing yes. to our um, audience yes. who give these questions to us. Yes. It's confusing for us as well. To answer the question. To answer the question because, because it's hard to answer. Because we just have no idea. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in a, I mean if, if you look at it on a, on a, on a, on a very basic level, yes. if we were caught speeding, yes. Over a certain limit in this country, yes, we would lose our license, yes, and we'd be summoned to court and a huge fine, and we, yes, and a loss of license. And if we didn't turn to, we didn't, we didn't, didn't turn up. up for court, they would issue a warrant, yes, for our arrest. Correct, and we'd serve prison time uh, well, well, or community right. service or community Whatever. service. Yes. I'm, I'm just, I'm just using. We'd those pay, our we'll we'll pay, we our pay our penance. We would have to pay our penance. And yes. most, a lot of countries have paid their penance. Exactly. But Israel seems to be getting off with a lot. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? I mean... And, and the point is, you do see... And that see disturbs this, well, you do see our this, audience. It's, it's kind of like, um, was it... Was it uh, don't quote me, but it was it possibly Alfie Langer was done for DUI. But Alfie then, Langer is one of our... Um, for those football, he's a football coach. Hero. Yeah, he's a he's football a hero. Hero of Australia. And he was, he was, he was driving under the influence... And so not to disrupt his coaching career, it was dropped. He was let walk. Now, any other Australian citizen would have been paid their penance. So, in, like I said, this doesn't just happen on an international level. It also happens on a personal level in certain countries. So O.J. That, Simpson's another perfect example. I mean, we another don't want, football we don't, hero. We, we don't want to get completely no, off the subject because this is a serious matter. Yes. But we're using triviality. Yes, to bring only, it down. Because, to bring it down yes. because we, we, we need to understand it from the grassroots. Very Basically, true. what you're saying yes. is that we're living in a world of corruption. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes. Lovely. Very much so. Very so much the conclusion so. is that 
the UN and the International Court yes. by not prosecuting yes. is corruption. Correct. Very true. Yes. When, when you boil it all down to brass tacks... It is corruption. Yeah. And one of, the things, one of the things that I couldn't understand is that, like, I'm holding in my hand right now a copy of Schindler's List, which is a movie, as we know, an Academy Award-winning film. And I actually put a comment on Facebook, which was, I wonder if there are any relatives, as in, um, you know, great-grandson or great-granddaughter of Schindler living in Palestine, and I really hope that their list is a very long one. Because when you look at that type of thing, the amount of effort that went towards trying to bring food to the oppressed people in World War II and to protect them and to, you know, like you see in the movie, he said, if I had of, if I had of, you know, he holds one of his rings in his hands, he said, this ring could have bought me three or four lives. I could have saved so many lives. And the point is, is that I was always interested to know with the Nuremberg trials with regards to the oppression and the extermination of the Jewish population during that period of time, what were the precedents set or what were the actual, what I call the commandments of the Nuremberg trial? But if you take it into consideration... We, we, Obviously, uh, never uh, again was one of them. We never want to see yeah, this type I mean, of thing happen let's, again. Let's not go into the Nuremberg trials because everybody... But everybody, everybody, but everybody, everybody now knows. Well, this quote will. Everybody now yes, knows. Every, yeah, this quote will sum it up. U.S. Supreme Court Judge Robert H. Jackson, who was one of the leading judges at the Nuremberg trials, in a letter discussing the weaknesses of the trial in October 1945, told U.S. President Harry S. Truman that the Allies themselves have done or are doing some of the very things that we are prosecuting the Germans for. The French are so violating the Geneva Convention in the treatment of prisoners of war that our command is taking back prisoners sent to them. We are prosecuting plunder and our allies are practicing it. We say aggressive war is a crime and one of our allies asserts sovereignty over the Baltic states based on no title except conquest. So even one of the top judges of the Nuremberg trial basically said that it was... A facade. Well, exactly, a travesty, a facade, whatever. It was a facade. It. Well, it's true, it's true. And, and the other thing that... Um, so anyway, let's go back to the question. Izzy. Izzy asked... Why is it that food and medical, and I think I've mentioned this, this is, but this was her question, she said, why is it that food and medical supplies are blocked from Gaza, but military weaponry still manages to find its way into Gaza for the Palestinians to allegedly fire upon Israel? Wouldn't it make more sense to stringently investigate and block all weapon sales into the area? This may seem controversial, but it seems Israel only steps up security when they are attacked. According to the Western media, Israel never preempts or attacks Gaza on her, on her own accord, but simply fires in her defense. Remove the weapons from Gaza and Israel will have no excuse to use military force against Gaza. Completely agree. I completely agree. I, I, I think. I think to. Um, but as we said, to, with corruption. I said to conclude. And to, greed. to conclude with that, I'm sure our um, Tanner will understand that um, the discussion we just. We, we, oh, what we with spoke regards about, to international law? Yeah, it's, yeah it's, that's it, in the that's in, it's the in there. Yeah, that, we've covered that. that. We've, we've covered that that, yes. that that question. But with regards to that, I totally agree with Izzy's question with regards to the whole, um, you know, the, the, the military it, side of things. Like I understand. Stop but the weapons. And, and people might turn around and say, oh, well, that's impossible. You can't do that. Our country is a very, would you say that compared to Palestine and Israel, Australia is a bigger expanse of land? I, I, I know this is a rhetorical question, but like, yes, you would agree. 
and the population. I think anybody that knows Australia would agree. Would, exactly. So, and our population is roughly 21, 22 million. I think the size of Mexico City. But compared to Israel and Palestine, what are the populations of those two countries? Israel is, a, is approximately approximately seven, to, for statistical reasons. Yes. I'll round it off at seven. Yeah, and Palestine? Yeah. Um, or at least oh, well, let me finish with Israel. It, with, within, within Israel, there's, a, there's approximate, and I'm rounding off for yes. statistical reasons. Yes. Um, is one, about 1.5 out of the 7 million are Palestinians, and they are Palestinians of different, um, different religions, like yeah. they, they could be Christ, there's Christians amongst them. There's uh, moderate Muslims, and there's obviously and there's and all, Jewish. Uh, there's, of course, there's Jewish. Um, there's Jewish uh, Palestinians who serve in the Israeli army, which makes it um, even. Uh, well, I'm saying it makes it technically a civil war. Very true. With um, with Israel um, supporting the West Bank indirectly. Yes. Yes, because the West Bank. I mean, we we, we don't see the West Bank. Which is the which is bordered to um, Israel? There's approximately 1.5 million of those uh, of those type of the, of the Palestinians in the West Bank. Yeah, yeah. So about three million within the borders of Israel. Um, three million out of the population. If you combine them together, is 10 million. Yeah. So three million of them are Palestinians. Yeah. Um, which they seem to protest occasionally. Yeah. It would appear based on the news that we are provided with. True. So we can only comment based on the facts that we're provided with. For our listeners, Western media are not very transparent. <laughs> and because they're not transparent, we have to um, filter through the news. Read between the lines. Read between the lines and go through all that pain to actually establish some form yes. of truth. I think what you could say, it doesn't actually... It's like As, as I've always said, SBS News, Al Jazeera, certain news... Um, I like Al Jazeera. Yes, well, certain networks out there do give you fair and balanced and don't actually say it in their slogan, whereas other ones that do use the term fair and balanced are usually the most non-fair and balanced. Okay, um, what's the population of Gaza? About one point. Um, off record, I'd say they're about 1.3 to 1.5. So it's max. rounded up to two. Mm-mm. 1.5, round right. it up. Okay. Round it up for, for, for statistics, okay. 1.5, we're, we're, we're a little bit more than the real population, but well, it's good for well, stats. Well, and, and, and based on the presence, the presence of Israeli soldiers in Gaza, what would the presence of Israeli soldiers oh, in Gaza they've built be? These, they've built these um, uh, wars during the Sharon period. and Wars or walls? Wars. Walls, yes, yes, brick walls, yes. So they got, they got during his um, reign, um, and he was also found um, with uh, stolen Israeli money in Greece. He invested in Greece. Lovely. Yeah, he went under investigation, but he couldn't be prosecuted because it was too valuable. Of course. <laughs> I, um, God bless him. There's, there's borders and so forth. So technically, if technically, if we put the is. If, if if we compare it to the um, the ghetto which the Germans um, created for the Jewish population, which was about three and a half million in Poland during the war, yeah, yeah, the, the square kilometres would probably be the same right. or thereabouts. Yeah, but as an example, yeah. So technically, they're using the same tactics that we used against them. Yes, because stopping supplies to hospitals and food stuff creates malnutrition. 
Correct. Malnutrition. The Creates disease. Disease and people dying. Of course. That was the exact tactic that was ordered yeah. by Himmler onto the garrisons, the SS garrisons in Warsaw, was to chop their diet so they could kill them off naturally. Yes. So when you look at that, that's indirectly genocide. Yes. As, as harsh it may be, yes. when you compare its technical genocide. Yes. And where do you go from there? It's, 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 it just seems to me history repeating and it's, it's... No, but it's history repeating itself, but the, 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 the victims of genocide... Yes. ...to utilise the, the same, same tactics, tactics as their enemies... Yes. ...is... It's... it's Inconceivable. Would be the word. Well, it's in in, in political terms, it's bad manners. <laughs> Seriously, well, that's the political terms. But what the point the point I'm making is is that 22 million people were disarmed after the Port Arthur massacre. 22 million people were disarmed. I'm not saying that all 22 million people had weapons. But in Australia, you're talking about yes, in Australia. Like so I'm saying that it, what would be the statistics or what would be the logistics of removing the weapons, and that's what Izzy's saying and blocking any weapons from getting into the Gaza area to stop. Only to stop. I'm not yeah, saying to disarm them. That's, but it's, 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 it's a measure, the point that she's making is it's a measure that would pretty much cancel any excuse of we were attacked and that's the reason I why think, we attacked them. I think I think that's the point that she's making. Yes, I would answer that Yeah, as briefly, briefly as I could is perhaps... That was the strategy to begin with. We slightly disarm them. We give them enough arms just to hit back occasionally. Yeah, and leave a pothole. And then we, 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 we create the, the technical genocide. We, can't, we use the word technical as good manners because we hope that one day the UN will become what it should be. Which is? Honest. <laughs> Need, need we say any more? Question three came from John. John says, why does it take an international incident where innocent lives are lost to make the Israeli government now allow armed guards to escort boats containing medical and food supplies into Gaza and thoroughly examine the stock for any weapons? It seems this should have been done in the first place. True, true, true. That, that, like, that, that, does, make, that does make a Understand, lot of sense. Take, going, back to, going back to where I was prior, yeah. if this was, a, if this was a, a strategy of the Israelis... Yes. It's worked. Yes. Because... Well, this is the thing. Like, this, because that's what they, they could, they could utilise the bombing... Yes. All right. ...of that boat as a warning signal, as... The attack of the boat, and the bombing, if the we're attack. And if prepared to come, if we're prepared to shoot you down and, and blow you up... It's yes. it, it, seem, it seems to me that... And like I said, this is purely from an observer's status, is that... The, the Israeli government seemed to push the envelope, push the limits, test what they can do before it... Like, I, I guess what it boils down to is it's testing the general public of the world because, you know, if, if they turn around and say, well, we're going to do this and see what happens. One of our, one is, one of our um, listeners yes. sent an article yes. 
Do you think it's worth reading? So you, we'll, we'll take a break, find the article, you take a break, grab some ice fovos, a cup of tea and a cucumber sandwich and we'll be right back. And we're back and I have the article in front of me and I'm now going to read it. So sit back and have a listen to this article that was submitted to us from one of our listeners. Never before in recent international history is a Global Citizens Commission more urgently needed to further expose the ordeal of suffering inflicted on the civilian population of Gaza. Israel has expanded by force of arms. At every stage in this expansion, Israel has appealed to reason and has suggested negotiations. This is the traditional role of the imperial power because it wishes to consolidate with the least difficulty what is, has already taken on by violence. The aggression committed by Israel must be condemned because every expansion is an experiment to discover how much more aggression the world will tolerate, which is exactly what we were saying. Palestine seeks to reaffirm the primacy of international law as the basis for the settlement of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. A global citizens commission will build its work around the enunciation of law by authoritative bodies. The International Court of Justice, in its opinion on the legal consequences of the construction of a wall in the occupied Palestinian territory, has analysed the relevant provisions of international humanitarian law and international law of human rights and the multiple international resolutions concerning Palestine. It is for this Global Citizens Commission to address the failure of the application of the law, even though it has been so clearly identified. The work starts where the opinion of the International Court of Justice stopped, highlighting the responsibilities arising from the enunciation of law, including the responsibilities of the international community. The latter cannot continue to shirk its obligations. It would appear that only a Global Citizens Commission has the combination of will and capability to respond affirmatively to the challenge of accountability to the Gaza genocide. If well organised, such an initiative would provide comprehensive and reliable documentation of Israeli war crimes and would at least offer a symbolic set of responses to the challenge of accountability. The Global Citizens Commission will launch a War Crimes Committee on Israel, a citizens' initiative that aims to reaffirm the primacy of international law as the basis for solving the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, and at raising awareness of the responsibility of the international community in the continuing denial of the rights of the Palestinian people. Global Citizens Commission on Palestine will, work its, will base its work on committees of experts and witnesses that will establish the facts and build the legal arguments that will be presented to the Commission. The National Support Committees will contribute to the preparation of expert reports, promote popular mobilisation and media coverage. The Global Citizens Commission can already count on strong support from the United Kingdom, France, Belgium, Spain, Switzerland, Austria, the Netherlands, Portugal, Ireland, Lebanon, Algeria, Australia, Italy, South Africa, Egypt, and of course from Israel and Palestine. Further contacts are underway for the creation of such committees in other countries and continents. Preparing the witnesses summoned, the session of the Global Citizens Commission will be organised in several major capitals. A jury made up of well-known personalities who are respected for their high moral standing will consider the reports and hear the witnesses. The jury will announce its conclusion, which we are persuaded will attract widespread international public and political support, thereby contributing to a just and durable peace in the Middle East. The gross injustice of the people of Palestine is that their country was given away by a foreign power for the creation of a new Israeli state. How much longer is the world willing to endure this spectacle of wanton cruelty? It is abundantly clear that the refugees have every right to their homeland from which they were driven. The denial of this right is at the heart of the continuing conflict. No people anywhere in the world should accept expulsion en masse from their own country. How can anyone expect the people of Palestine to accept a punishment that nobody else would tolerate, a punishment for a crime they did not even commit? 
A permanent residency of the refugee in their homeland is an essential ingredient by any genuine settlement in the Middle East. We are frequently told that we must sympathise with Israel because of the suffering of the Jews in Europe at the hands of the Nazis. What Israel is doing today cannot be ignored. To sensationalise the horrors of the past in order to justify those of the present is complete and unadulterated hypocrisy. It appears that the precedents set at the Nuremberg trials to prevent any future crimes against humanity are being deliberately ignored. So that's um, quite a mouthful, and that came from a doctor, and he's left his name anonymous, obviously, but um, I think that's a very powerful document, and it very much sums up the fact that something needs to be done. And you may know of a gentleman by the name of George Galloway. He recently made a not an assumption, but he recently made a suggestion which we believe is a fantastic idea. And basically, his position of creating an international armada of aid ships to supply Gaza with the supplies and aid it desperately requires. We believe that this is a strategic plan that really needs to be pushed throughout the world. The sooner it occurs, the better. It's important. Um, the Galloway plan um, should be implemented because... Um, the Israelis will find it very difficult, very difficult um, if, the, if there was an international armada of aid ships, exactly. like a, a thousand of them from different countries yeah. and so all, forth. All containing nothing but aid. And, and as, as, as the article um, said, because I, I brought, we, we brought in Galloway deliberately yes. in order to justify what he's doing, there is like he says, to create a, a global armada, yes. a, a, global a global citizens commission will be necessary, like the aid workers and doctors and so forth. Yes. If you've got thousands of these people... From different countries. From different countries in the armada, yes. serving, serving as... Um, a global effort. Global effort, yes. yes. Then we'll have expert witnesses, expert people on the ground... Yes. To make independent evaluation. Yes. Because as we know, we can't rely on the UN anymore or the International Court. Exactly. So um, we wish Mr. Galloway... Um, all the best. And uh, more he than has all us the, at his disposal, basically. Yes, indeed. And he, um, has a, uh, he's, got a, he's got a lot of support in Australia. Yes. And Africa. Yes. Yes. Now, um, go ahead. Yes, well, I was going to say... Onto the, onto the questions, which is actually relevant to what's being said right now, is the question which came from Rebecca. She said, what view do we have from where we're positioned of the world-changing events unfolding before us and what relevance does the Gaza agenda have on the overall global plan? What you, um, was she talking about Australia in particular? Um, well, I think... I'm not sure. I think, it was, I think that based on the question, I think it's more to do with the fact that... You know, with so much happening on the planet at the moment, you have oh, so yes. many distractions. If, if this is a an agenda from an agenda, yeah, exactly. If, if this is like As a, a smaller a, part of a bigger, a bigger picture. picture, yeah, that's a very relevant point. She's a clever woman. Um, it, it, it's very difficult, but we could possibly speculate that under the pressures of the world right now, given the oil slicks and obviously something we, we picked up. Yes, just, just uh, the, um, speaking of oil spills. We have one in Egypt. 
Yeah, an Egyptian oil spill in the Red Sea has caused a new environmental catastrophe, prompting an outcry amongst activists to call for tighter offshore regulations. So the offshore regulations are happening all over the world. It's not just in uh, the Gulf of Mexico, but this is actually something that happened three or four days ago, uh, four or five days ago according to the article. Yeah, and, the, and, and, and the Egyptian government won't name the companies, obviously, because it could be BP again. <laughs> We're hoping but, not. But it's not BP, it's probably Caltex or someone. But, um, yeah, but they're, they're, unlike, unlike the um, Florida beaches, the Egyptian tourist hub, Hagada, um, which attracts millions of tourists for diving and snorkeling, um, says that they are now having oil Dripping up onto their onto their coastlines, but that's just that's that's a side issue. So base, so we've got we've got um, we've got. Uh, so yeah, so there's the Gulf of Mexico. Obviously, this one in the Red Sea. We've yes. also got um, more importantly than anything else, we've got FIFA going on, yes. which is which was it's, it's kind of crazy, you know, because like you you see. You know, North Korea flexing its muscles, doing its when, thing, and, and then you see North Korea North, is actually a team in the FIFA thing. It it just boggles the mind the, that you can have. Going back, going back to the, the going question. Back to the question is: um, Is the Gaza scenario a, a distraction to a wider scenario? It's probable, and if it is a um, how would you refer to it? A staged event. Yes. Yeah, so which is, it's difficult to say that it's a staged event within a staged event because it's been yeah, going on for 50 years. Well, someone, a friend of mine actually summed it up beautifully and they said that it's kind of like when you look at the countries as individuals, when you look at like Israel and Palestine and then you've got um, Jordan and then you've also got Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Iran, all these different countries so closely knit in the Middle East. If you were to look at them as individuals, with Israel being the um, the target, I guess, or the most unliked of the group, then basically, as you would do in a situation, say, I think he described it as soldiers. If they were all soldiers from different countries but individuals, then you would grab the closest soldier that you have that's nearby, hold a gun to their head and basically say, leave me alone or else these people will get it. And it's also been stated by some experts around the world that, Israel has used the mad dog approach based on the fact that in Israel's mind, the Middle East and the neighboring Middle Eastern countries don't like them at all. Um, and they're, they're convinced that they're, they're not wanted. They've got a, they've got a marketing t- department. That, that well, they're basically, they're, they're, showing their mad, they're showing their mad dog mentality by being so um, vicious towards but, Palestine to ward off anyone else from trying to do anything, which makes no sense what, to me. What concerns me um, is the, um, the Israelis now, the, with, uh, noises are coming out of the White House as well, to um, to um, invade or have a nuclear strike on Iran, oh, yes. and the Chinese have come out and said, basically indirectly, told them that if you um, do that, we'll, there'll be no uh, more iPads. North Korea, our satellite state. Right. Yes, yes. Will, this is interesting. This North, is interesting. North North Korea, our satellite state, will start testing its weapons on South Korea directly and to see if they work. And Taiwan. Taiwan. They said they'll invade Taiwan. So it looks like... A stalemate? It, no, it's, 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 it's called... It's called... Evolution. It's called evolution of... We're going into... 
we're, we're going into one world government. Yes, but which and needs to be brought into three. So all the major, all the yeah. major power, yeah, yes. three, yeah. three blocks. Exactly. So we've got it's consolidating. It's consolidating the blocks. So the Chinese want all of Asia. Yes, of course. Yes, and they want the Yanks to get out of Japan and yes. so forth. The Japanese. So climate. you've got your American Union, you've got your Asian Union, yeah. your African then, Union, your European Union, yeah, and then you've got Arabia, which. Arabia, which is which is the Middle East, which is the Middle East, and it's caught between. It's caught between. So uh, it's and the and the battle now is who's who, which states are going to take who and where. So really, it's it's a it's a tightening of the belt with all the independent states. Yes, well, it's described. I think it's described as a snafu. Is the technical term, which is situation normal, all effed up. That's, you, that's, it's a war term that was used to say that like, everything's fine yeah. as far as everyone thinks everything's fine, but the actual situation is completely stuffed. It's like I just, yeah. I, I just, no uh, one knows what they're doing. Basically, well, it's we, we can, it's it's it, you could guess. Well, you could, you could, but you, like you it's, could guess. I mean, this we. we we're we we we're trying our best to well living in this country, living facts. living in this country which is Australia you're looking at the world from a very much a box seat because you're so far away from the world that you don't necessarily get to feel the effects of some of the atrocities that happen on the planet the, um, you're also guarded from the, by the media our, our 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 media keeps the Australian public cushy Mesmerized. Mesmerized. They yes. don't. We, we we don't get a lot of international um, news insofar as as it's detrimental to the to world. Give, being. To give you to give an example of some of the Australian mentalities that we have in my circle of, of, of associates, someone when mentioned to someone that we now have a female prime minister, they said, "I didn't know there was an election." These are these, these are the kind of comments from people that don't. When it comes to the news, unless it's Dancing with the Stars or Big Brother or Survivor or Lost, which is pretty much describes them all, they really don't care. They just don't. It's not, it's, well, it's not that they don't care. It's just that they have better things to care about, more important things. It's like not. It's not a, shopping the, 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 and, the, the, and driving really fast. Well, I'm saying is we Australia is so isolated through dis- exactly through exactly. distance. Yes, true. That our priorities. Yes. Insofar as an uh, uh, independent nation, our priorities are completely different. I, I, and the I, stats, in the stats, which scared me on the amount of Australians who have actually left. For another country, like what's the all the, the, the Australia is losing perhaps in the vicinity, and I, I say perhaps statistically talking, lose about twenty five percent of the most intelligent Australians. Yes, all the academics. Yes, all work overseas. Yes, and the rest of us, how many of those have actually left our shores on a holiday or whatever it is? Like it's oh, into far as yes, travelled. You could say that. You could say, and this this would be fairly accurate. Yes, that possible probable about eighty percent of Australians don't travel out of the country. Yes, and those that do holiday. They holiday and mostly holiday in in Asia, yes, or and all the um, our European descent 
We have yes. a large European community yes. who would go to Europe, but it's yes. a small percentage. The, the ones that usually travel are the ones who have got roots overseas. Yes. That's where you find more of the travelling. Yes. And the, rest of, and the rest of the Australian population would pop over to Taiwan or Indonesia and so forth. For the roots of their own. Um, but the point, the point is we have one more question which came from Ash and his question was, Australians are now concerned that when they travel with their Australian passport, they are treated as alleged Israeli assassins or terrorists. I think... I think That's when I, Australia... I have, a feeling, I have a feeling from memory, Ash actually just recently... Travelled, and yes. and he said that it, when he travelled beforehand, there was a little bit of scrutiny, but not that much, based on the nine eleven attacks. But he said after this incident, it's like complete you could, body you, frisk. You like could you, you could you could travel with an Australian passport. I don't want to mention the Irish passports and the other ones that were were involved. Yeah, um, but just in particular in Australia, we could travel anywhere in the world, and because, like we, we spoke earlier, our isolation and our political um, democracy here, and because we don't get concerned with international affairs, we're basically domesticated. We are. And we, we're, we're easygoing, yeah? So we're now this dilemma. Yes. Which is good in one way. Bad, but good, because it has triggered off an alarm to the Australian people, and they're starting to show concern because they are getting frisked yes. and they are getting... They they're are, being held up at they're customs. Be, they're being held up at customs for no reason but... The fact that they're Australian. And what did our government do? They... It took them about f- three months. Yeah. This way, to we're, look, for those of you, we're talking about the assassination of... In a, Dubai. In Dubai. Of a, of a um, Hamas... Hamas leader. Uh, he was official. He was a Hamas official. official. He was an official. And as we know, that it was done using forged passports from all around the world, including Australia. But in particular, Australia, Ireland, yes. in particular, and, and, New Zealand. And in, in our react, the reaction from our government was re- a few uh, days later after the event. Well, they did protest. No, they did. They, they made official protest, and then approximately two to three months later, they expelled one of their diplomats. Our sources tell us that the diplomat that was expelled was one of the chefs. It, it that's not necessarily that, a reliable source, but that is, that's one it, of our sources. It, it, it could be reliable. It, the source said that they had to expel someone because the Australian people were upset. Yes. And the Australian government had to do more than just protest. Yes. So instead of closing their embassy down or closing the embassy, Israeli or embassy down the ambassador here, back. Or, setting our, or bringing our ambassador, ambassador back, back. Yes. what they decided to do, what our sources tell us. Yes. Yes. And our, our sources uh, tell us that um, they had to do something because, this, because Australia was con- uh, the Australian citizens are concerned about this issue. Yes. Yeah. Um, they expelled, like I said, they expelled one of the diplomats. Yes. And it happened to be the chef. Wonderful. I think the Israeli ambassador was not happy. Someone had to go. Um, it was, <laughs> someone had to go. And it, yes. They, yes. It, it, was, it was a decision, of, I've been informed. Yes. It was either the dishwasher, the gardener. The janitor. The janitor, yes. Or the chef. Or the chef, and they chose the chef. Yes. 
That's 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 our contribution to world peace. Yes, to yes, exactly. God bless, God bless us. <laughs> um, so, just the last thing with regards to this story is, I've, I'm hearing a lot of, um, art, well, seeing a lot of articles and seeing videos and that of people who are upset about the whole situation in Gaza, and the term that gets used quite a lot is that. They say that, you know, we don't like the way the Israeli government's been behaving and how the, you know, such and such has been behaving and how such and such has been behaving. What concerns us most is not how the Israeli government has been behaving, but rather how the Israeli government has been misbehaving. I think that's the, the old English, the trick with the English language is that as soon as you word see the word behaving, you think, well, okay, are they behaving? Because we're dealing with, you know, we're seeing a lot of spelling mistakes and things these days, and that concerns me. So moving on to after spending an hour on that subject, we've got two quick stories that we'll quickly do, or should we save them for next week's what, episode? What, what, was, what, was the last, what was that last statement you made in relation to? Spelling. No, no. <laughs> spelling has become atrocious worldwide. Forget it. Even the BBC have spelling mistakes. Oh, it's, 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 ramp- it's rampant. It's rampant. Now we're talking about what was the last statement you made? Regarding the behaviour? Yeah, the behaviour. Yes. It's not only that they're misbehaving. Yes. All right. And not, they're not being... Not, not, yes. Uh, they're not being held accountable. Yes. For their behaviour. For their behaviour. And that's the travesty. Yes. They're, no one's pulling them in line. No one's disciplining them. They're being let run amok like a spoiled brat, which is not good. You but, can't do that. And let's face it, if you have a child and you let them run rampant, then you're going to wind up with a Hannibal Lecter. I think that's quite accurate. Yes. And uh, like I said, we'll save the other stories for next week. And um, that's, that's an hour and ten minutes. Wow, that's almost double last week. We're, going to, we're moving into uh, the four-hour mark, but hopefully not. So, yeah, so anyway, that's it from me. We'll see you next week. And like we said, if you need to contact us, send an email via the voice at thesecrethub.com. We love to hear from you, whether it be in text format or, as I said, if you want to record something that we can throw in the show, by all means, send one through. And um, yeah, well, I'll see you next week. Bye from me.